0: Palm Sunday, before we start, I have missed an announcement for two weeks that I've been meaning to say, and it's to congratulate this young couple right here, Matt and Jenna, are engaged to be married, and uh, I just want to say congratulations to them. Uh, two weeks ago or three weeks ago you proposed? Three weeks. I'm, I'm, I'm a little behind, but uh, we did have a lot going on, you have to admit, but congratulations to you two. I'm very happy for you. Um, yeah, Palm Sunday. Folks, back home, well, it's not my home anymore, but when I lived in Jacksonville, um, and my wife can attest to this, there were, we knew pastors, we knew churches that would not preach Palm Sunday because of the very people that would shout praise one day, days later would shout crucify him, so they didn't talk about Palm Sunday, and for me, that is just, that's just a crime, because Palm Sunday needs to be celebrated, and it needs to be spoken about in its true form, and we are going to break it down today. I have three texts for you. Right now, just turn to John chapter 11. We're going to be in John 11, John 12, and in Luke 19. We're not reading all the verses. I'm going to talk about this wonderful story, and then we're going to turn to Scripture at several points. But I want you to be prepared in John chapter 11. So let's talk about crying stones and and plotting priests. Because that's what's happening here. In John chapter 11, we have the death of a man named Lazarus. Now, Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha. Now, it was their family. Jesus loved them, and they loved Jesus. Folks, they were close friends. Now, this family, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary, lived in a town called Bethany. It was only a couple miles from Jerusalem. So when their brother Lazarus passed, there were many Jews that came to comfort them. And days later, Jesus would arrive on the scene, and spoiler alert, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, from the dead, raised back to life. Now, as Jesus arrives, he observes something. He observes great weeping. He observes great sorrow. And as he's talking to Martha, who comes out to him, she says, if only you had been here. Jesus, if only you had been here. Look at chapter 11. Everybody look at verse 25. Just look at verse 25. This is Jesus talking to Martha. He said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Let's just remember that verse. Jesus tells her, I'm the resurrection. I am the life. I know your brother's dead, but here, I am before you, Martha. I'm the resurrection and the life. She didn't fully understand this yet. But what an event... What an event. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Now this story is very important to the triumphal entry. What we call Palm Sunday is also known as the triumphal entry. It's very important to this story as Jesus enters Jerusalem because this miracle will be shouted. This miracle will be spoken about for all to hear. It wasn't a whisper, folks. It was for all here. So the Bible states that this miracle was for God's glory. Yes, it was. It also states that it was for the Son of God, that he'd be glorified through it. Absolutely. And in John 11, turn back to 14, look at 14 and 15. Yeah, I'm going to skip around a little bit. John 11, 14 and 15. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. He says this, then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died and for your sake. I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Now, both Mary and Martha are going to come up to Jesus and go, if only you had been here. Oh, if only you had been here. And here we see, days before arriving, Jesus telling his disciples, what? I'm glad that I was not there. Folks, this is for the glory of God. This is so people will see it and will believe. And he says that. So that you may believe. So, this is an important, important part to the story, to what we call Palm Sunday. So, yes, Martha leaves, and Mary is called out to where Jesus is. She's called out to meet Jesus. Now, he has not yet entered the village. He has not yet entered the village. So, Mary comes out to meet him, and all the Jews that were with her, comforting her in that house, they come with her too. So Mary is upset and states, like I said before, if only you had been here. Well, Jesus says this, where have you laid him? Where have you laid him? Make no mistake, Jesus was weeping. Jesus wept. The Bible tells us Jesus wept. See, he is moved. He is moved with the situation. I'll go into more detail in a second. He is moved by what he is observing. But you know what he does? He does. He calls Lazarus out of the tomb. No, Lord, don't remove the stone. He's been in there four days. The odor will be too much. He's been dead for four days. No, move the stone. Lazarus, come out. Folks, Lazarus is alive. Unbind him. Take all these coverings off. Lazarus is alive, and all of these people are witnessing this. Remember what Jesus said? I'm the resurrection and the life. Yes, Lazarus was coming out of that tomb. I'm glad I wasn't there so all you guys could witness this, so that you would believe. You're in John chapter 11. I want you to skip over to verse 45, everybody. Look at verse 45. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. They gathered the council for the sole purpose of answering this question, What are we to do? What are we going to do? Now this council would be the Sanhedrin, folks. This is Israel's leaders, the elite, the elders, the the supreme court, if you will. It's the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming together. And let me give you a little background. Those two groups did not work well together. They did not play well together. But you know what? Guys, can we get along for the sole purpose of destroying this man? Let's put all our differences up here on the shelf. Let's work together because we have to figure out what we're going to do. That's the council that is meeting here. And here it is. Here's our focus in the book of John today. We have a couple different places of focus, but in the book of John, I want you to go to verse 48. You're still in chapter 11. Walk with me through this. Look at verse 48. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, the children of God, who were scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Caiaphas had a different intention and a different goal. But as high priest, he prophesied. God in heaven, Father's looking down going, yeah, Caiaphas, say what you need to say. We need to kill this man. It's better that one man died than the whole nation. And God's up there going, absolutely. Jesus will die. You're right, Caiaphas. I don't want the whole nation to perish. The one will die for all. He's prophesying this. Doesn't even know it. The council said something interesting. We cannot let him go on like this. I love that line. Why? It's simple. Everyone will believe in him if he goes on like this. This is trouble for this council, and here's why it's trouble. They were afraid that the Romans are going to come in and take their temple. They were afraid that their nation, the people, will be removed. See, their present status, uh, being subservient to Rome, would suffer greatly. They are comfortable here, it could end altogether. If people claim Jesus is Messiah and call him king, and this gets back to the Roman leaders, we are going to have great trouble. He could easily, easily cause a revolt. People are going to follow him. They're going to give their allegiance to him. And they could revolt against Rome. He could cause a revolution. We don't want that. He'd be a threat to imperial rule. The Romans could start cracking down on all involved, including us. These religious leaders, folks, these religious leaders could lose their privileged positions. They could lose the flow of things that had just become uh, that they had become so accustomed to. All this could be taken away. So they were going to make a move against Jesus. And folks, for the rest of the week, you know, we call it the Passion Week. The Passion Week. Every day. Their significance building up to what happens on Friday and ultimately on Sunday. They were going to make a move, and from here on out, all plotting, all planning, all scheming would be devoted to one thing, killing Jesus. Killing Jesus. So, he no longer walked out in the open but went to a town called Ephraim. And uh, we don't know where this is located. We have ideas, but, you know, it's, we speculate. But he went to this little town called Ephraim to lay low. Because it was not yet his time to face this council. It was not yet his time to face this opposition. However, oh, I love where this is going. It gives me goosebumps. However, the Passover was very close. The Passover was approaching, and many people had already arrived so that they could purify themselves for this major Jewish festival. So those that had come to Jerusalem began to ask questions. You and I could probably figure out some of these questions. What do you think about uh, this this guy, this guy Jesus? Is he coming? I heard he's coming. Do you know if he's coming? What do you think he's going to do? I'm going to stand back and watch. This is going to be great. Do you know much about him? Have you heard about this? Have you heard about that? Can you imagine the conversations, because Jesus at this point was a rock star, let's face facts, can you imagine the conversations going on about who Jesus is, what he's done, and what he's going to do? And even more, what these chief leaders are going to do. I just want to know more about him. Tell me more about him. But orders were given, out of this great council, orders were given that if anyone knew where he was, please tell them, so that we can arrest Jesus. We want to arrest him. The Bible tells us that uh, six days later, or six days before the Passover, excuse me, six days before the Passover, Jesus and the disciples come back to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, Mary and Martha, where Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. They're back in Bethany. And um, they're having a great feast. There's a dinner, and Jesus and the disciples are with them. This For those of you that love your Bible stories, this is the, the, the feast, the dinner, where Mary takes the very, uh, very expensive ointment and, and, and anoints Jesus' feet. That's the dinner we're talking about. The large crowd of Jews, the large crowd of Jews heard that Jesus was with, their, uh, with Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, and Bethany. They heard about it. So they came to see him, And they wanted to see the man, you ready for this, that he raised from the dead. I want to see Lazarus. you telling me Jesus raised him from the dead? Well, then I want to see him. Show me the evidence. Well, guess what? The chief priests heard about this. And now, they were not only plotting to kill Jesus... But now they wanted to destroy the evidence of this great miracle by killing Lazarus as well. They wanted to put a hit on Lazarus. If he's dead, then they can't claim life. And this miracle ends. All this talk ends, and we're back to where we are, safe and sound, subservient to Roman rule in our privileged positions. Nothing's at stake anymore. We gotta kill Lazarus. See, here's the reason. Because of Lazarus being raised from the dead, people were believing in Jesus and moving away from the authority and leadership of these chief priests. They were basically saying, we're moving away from you and we're moving towards Jesus. And they could not handle this. That was too much. Well, the next day, this large crowd heard that Jesus would be coming to Jerusalem. Now, I want you to go to John 12. Just skip over one chapter to John 12. We're going to start in verse 13. Let's read the text here, John 12, 13. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. See, Jesus would be entering this city on the back of a cult. Right, The foal of a donkey as people spread their cloaks in the path of Jesus as he traveled. As they cut down palm branches and laid them down in the path of Jesus traveling into Jerusalem. All the while shouting these praises. This was all to honor and give praise to the king. And folks, this was prophesied. It was prophesied in Zechariah 9, nine Let's read that. Rejoice greatly. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you righteous and having salvation as he humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Prophecy fulfilled. We have to remember that Jesus was arriving with a crowd around him too, folks. As he traveled down, he is arriving with a great crowd and that a large crowd of Jews were coming out of the city to meet him. So they had, this had to be quite a scene because we're not talking about just 12. We're talking about 100, 20 plus. Remember the, after the death, all of the disciples gathered together in the upper room and there was 120 praying. He had a great crowd traveling with him, and there was a great crowd coming back. And they met. What an event that must have been. So all the people, as they come together, they're shouting. They're lifting their voices in praise of all the works which they had witnessed and heard about. They are shouting these things. I mean, could we have heard, he turned water to wine. Could we have heard, oh, the deaf, they hear, the blind, they now see. I saw these healings. Could they have been shouting about those that were demon possessed but now free of this possession? Free. I mean, could they have been talking about the lame? That's not me. Could they have been talking about the lame who walk and the healthy that were, the, the, the people that were sick that are now healthy? And of course, you know they're talking about Lazarus, the dead who came back to life. Think about this just the chaos as these two groups come together and and, and motive each other to shout these praises, these mighty works that are going on. But I want to read a verse to you. You don't have to turn to it. John 21, 25. John 21, 25. Now there also are many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that be written. Folks, we don't know all the miracles. We don't know all the healings. We don't know all the mighty works. We're given what we're given. But John said had everything been recorded, (laughs) the world couldn't contain it. I believe that. I believe there's things that were shouted and, and praises lifted up that we probably have never read about. I do believe that. These people have heard these things, these people have witnessed these things, and they want to praise the Messiah and the King who they're recognizing right now. I want to read a verse. You're in John 12, right? You're in John 12. Everybody look at 17 and 18. John 12, 17 and 18. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. Meaning they're continuing to talk about this. They're bearing witness of this miracle right here and right now. Look at verse 18. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. Do you see how important the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead is to the story of the triumphal entry? It's extremely important to this story. Hosanna, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King. The Jews were acknowledging Jesus as Messiah. And they were using repetition of Psalm 118.26, this messianic psalm. They were repeating it over and over. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Basically, they're confessing that Jesus was both Messiah and rightful King of Israel. And here is what Palm Sunday is all about it's about the proclamation of jesus christ as messiah and as king and as we celebrate this day we have to remember that we welcome jesus too as he triumphantly entered our hearts he triumphantly entered our hearts just like he triumphantly entered jerusalem so there is much much to rejoice about. There is much to rejoice about. Everybody turn to Luke 19. We're going to Luke 19. As you're turning there, we're picking up in Luke. <clears throat> we see that Jesus, as He rode along, people were spreading their cloaks on the ground. They were cutting the palm branches and spreading them on the ground as Jesus traveled and entered into this great city. Now scripture tells us that as he drew near, the whole multitude of disciples, not just his inner twelve, right, but those that traveled with him, remember I told you there would be many, many would be coming towards Jerusalem, many would be coming from Jerusalem. But scripture tells us as he drew near, the whole multitude multitude of disciples that traveled with him, all of them were rejoicing and praising God with a loud voice for all of the mighty works that they had seen and witnessed. And one of those praises, as previously stated, was the raising of Lazarus that had just been witnessed recently. This is not what the Pharisees and the Sadducees or this council that we call the Sanhedrin, this is not what they wanted to hear. I knew we should have killed him. This is not good. So, everybody, look at Luke 19. We're going to start in verse 39. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Stop them from saying all this. Rebuke them. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Folks, creation would cry out. All things, the Pharisees, the birds, the trees, the stones, They were created. Which stones? Is he talking about stones on the ground? Did Jesus see a pile to the left or right? Or was he looking at the walls of Jerusalem, stone upon stone upon stone? Creation would cry out. My creation would bear witness to me and my mighty works. Uh, One of my favorite bands, 80s and 90s, mid 80s to mid 90s, was Petra. Christian band, loved them. They had a song called Somebody's Gonna Praise His Name, and the chorus of the song went like this. Somebody's gonna praise his name. Somebody's gonna call him Lord. It'll either be you and me, or it's gonna be a rock or tree. Somebody, somewhere, is gonna praise his name. And I've sang this song over and over in my head all week long based on uh, this Scripture. Scripture. If you silence them, the stones are going to cry out because somebody's going to bear witness. Somebody's going to praise me. Somebody is going to call me Lord. So as he entered the city, the Bible tells us that Jesus wept. Here again, we have Jesus weeping. So Jesus wept over the hurt and pain that the people were feeling and expressing at the death of Lazarus. He wept. He wept when he saw their pain and hurt. And now Jesus is weeping at the sight of Jerusalem. Not because of what is approaching Him, but because of what will be approaching this city and its people. See, what they were trying to stop, what they were trying to do in stopping Jesus, would ultimately play out in AD 70, folks. Jerusalem would fall. The temple would fall. What they were trying to prevent would ultimately happen. And Jesus wept over this. They could not recognize that they were being visited by God and the prospect of peace that He was bringing. They were blind to what He was offering them. Blind. So yes, the rocks will cry out soon, won't they? The rocks will cry out soon. The rocks will cry out in judgment against a nation that rejected Him. (laughs) A stone will not be left upon another. Another. Their city will be destroyed. This brought tears to Jesus' eyes. No matter where he looked, folks, there was actual cause for weeping. There was actual cause. He could see the wasted opportunities of the nation and their ignorance and not recognizing uh, that this time, this time of visitation, right? Uh, uh, He could see the blindness in their hearts like I stated. Um, I mean, they should have known who he was. God sent messengers, all along the way, he sent messengers. He gave him his word. They should have known who he was. You know what else is sad? He found cause for weeping in the religious activity. Oh, it was so very little, the religious activity. I mean, the temple had become a den of thieves. Right? And, and the leaders, the leaders of the temple, and all, uh, the priest, the religious activity, everything that was going on, All they were doing was seeking to kill Jesus. It was very little priestly duty. He wept. He wept. In the city, while it was filled with so many people celebrating this festival, he could see the pain, the burdens and sin of the people. It was so heavy. And Jesus could sense this as God. He knew this. So again, I summarize. He wept for the judgment that was coming to this great city. He wept for the temple and He wept for the nation. He cried as He entered Jerusalem. That's a loving and caring God. He's the resurrection in life and He's crying. knowing full well, He's going to restore this man to life, but He's crying because of the pain and sorrow He sees. That is our God. But they're rejecting Him. God was visiting them and they could not or would not see it. John 11 states it. He came to His own. And his own people did not receive him. So let's get back to Luke 19. Everybody, look at verse 42. We're in Luke 19, verse 42, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Would you had known on this day the things that make for peace. Wow. You know, at the Incarnation, at the incarnation of Christ we're talking christmas time the multitude of angels proclaimed something in luke 214 luke 214 says glory to god in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased folks if you look around you tv internet with our own eyes it's easy to see that we do not have peace on earth you do not have peace on earth But you do have peace with God. Therein lies the incarnation, the life of Christ, Palm Sunday, the death on Friday, the resurrection on Sunday. Here is the peace that He is bringing. So, I will tell you this lasting peace, lasting peace with God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Alone, and we read this in Romans 5 1. Let me prove it. Romans 5 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So that is established. You can't get around that. That's where the peace is. And he's coming into a city offering and bringing this peace that is going to be rejected. See, the Jews were enjoying what we call a temporary peace an imperfect peace under Roman rule. It wasn't real. It wasn't lasting. History has revealed to us that this cannot be sustained. This kind of peace does not last. We can look at it in any history book and see how nations have fallen. Peace does not last. Not with man. But what was this peace? Have you ever thought about that? God, what are you offering? What are you bringing to them? Explain this peace. This is where my mind went. See, Jesus wept in relation to this peace. Jesus wept because He wanted God's people to have settled hearts. He wanted people to have settled minds in Him. He, He wept because He wanted a healed relationship between God and His people. He wanted that. He wept because he wanted them to have confidence before God. Folks, these are the things that bring about and produce peace. And this is what he was offering. And Jesus spoke of their time of visitation. He said, peace, (laughs) I'll tell you this, thinking about this time of visitation, peace is a difficult thing to find if you do not know that God is present with you. If you don't realize that God is present with you, then this peace, it's going to be a difficult thing if not impossible, to find. So what happens? People try to find a substitution for peace. Let's substitute peace. But we know substitutions will not last. If you, if you lived a life in the dark like I have, these substitutions do not last, nor do they fulfill. They leave you worse off. God's got to come in and mend and heal and fix the broken. You're worse off. Nothing has changed as far as the human condition, folks. Today, as back then, people are still searching for substitutions. I see this King, Messiah, you're proclaiming. I'm going to substitute Him. I hear about the peace you're offering. I'm going to substitute it. That's the world we live in. Let's substitute anything and everything for what's true and what's real, and that is Jesus and His Word. Let's substitute. That's what was happening as he entered Jerusalem with these leaders, this is what was happening. But as believers, you and I, we know this piece, and this is why we celebrate Palm Sunday. First, and you gotta understand this, first, we can see that Jesus was being proclaimed as Ma- a Messiah and King in public. That's the first thing about Palm Sunday. He was coming out in public, I am Messiah and King. Second, we can see that the religious, uh, religious leaders' hands were being forced to act. Do you hear the things they're saying? Oh my goodness. People are going to believe in him. You know they're going to walk away. We're going to lose these positions. I just know as soon as they start calling him king, we're going to be at war with Rome and everything's going to be lost. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? They've got to stop chanting these things. He was forcing their hand to act. See, they wanted to have, I don't know if you know this, they wanted to have Jesus arrested and killed um, after the Passover. Let's do it after. Look at Matthew. Oh, you need, I'll put it up here. Matthew 26, 3 through 5. Matthew 26, 3 through 5. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth. Let's do it in secret and kill him but they said not during the feast lest there be an uproar among the people but in this triumphal entry and folks it was triumphant they knew that they had to act now the line had been crossed too much had been said too much was at stake they knew they had to act and you know what they did just like Caiaphas prophesying not of his own accord remember That's right, Caiaphas. Prophesy. Jesus will die for the nation. He will die for the people. Just like that, they did according to God's purposes. They worked according to His plans. They worked according to His timing. They sacrificed Jesus, the Lamb of God, at Passover. Have you ever realized that? They sacrificed the very Lamb of God at Passover going all the way back to Moses and Pharaoh and the plagues, where they put the blood on the doorpost. If you were under that blood, you were saved and secure. Salvation. They forced their hand. John the Baptist said this in John one twenty nine. John one twenty nine. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And here we have the Lamb of God being prepared for this sacrifice. Their hands had been forced. And he would give his life up at Passover. And I just think that is perfection. That is God's timing, God's plans, God's purposes. Working through man for his purposes. I've... Non-believers, I wish there were some here. If you are, you can't make this stuff up. You just can't make this up. So, just like the Passover, folks, we are covered by the blood of Christ, the Lamb of God. We too are saved. That's what's going on here. Folks, we have every reason to express praise and raise our voices about the mighty works in Scripture. But you know what? We also have every reason to lift our voices and express praise for the mighty works that He's doing in our lives and has done in our lives. Think of every stepping stone that you have walked in your closer relationship with Jesus as you've mature, as you grow closer and closer, as He's perfecting you, which He is, sanctifying, perfecting you, preparing you to be with Him forever. Have you ever thought about your life like that? Every day is a new stepping stone getting you closer and closer to perfection because you're going to spend the rest of eternity with your God who loves you so much that He gave up His Son, shed His blood, covering you so that you are saved. Folks, His entry into Jerusalem that day it was a triumphal entry. It was successful. And His entry into each and every one of our hearts, it too was triumphant. Praise God it was triumphant. I look around the room and I know a lot of people here, I know a lot of you are saved. If there's not someone here, there's going to be an opportunity because you know what today could be for you? Today could be the time of your visitation. You can reject God. You can accept God. It could be the time of your visitation today to ask Jesus Christ to cover you with that same blood that has saved all of us. And that, my friends, would be a triumphal entry into your heart. This is why we celebrate Palm Sunday. It is so much more than palms and cloaks on the ground. There is so much more meaning to this story that we have to really embrace. So if you're a non-believer today, and I hope there are a couple here, I do, I hope this is the time of your visitation, but all believers, like the disciples said that day, what can we all say together? We could all say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, can't we? We should be saying that the rest of this day. We should be saying this the rest of the week, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, because what's going to happen on Friday, and what's going to happen on Sunday, is magnificent. Magnificent. It leaves me in awe, the work of God. The work of the cross and what happens in that tomb. In awe. And in all that, it's a loving God who wanted to save us. Who would weep over our condition. Who would weep over our hurt and pain. Who would weep over the judgment that could possibly be ours. He loves you so much. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Can everybody close their eyes for me and bow your heads? I'm going to go old school here. Everybody eyes closed, bowed heads, if you are here today and realize that this is the time of your visitation, God is present here with you right now and wants to save your life, I want to pray the prayer with you. Heavenly Father, just say these words. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you right now for sending your son Jesus. I believe that he died for me. I believe that he rose again three days later, securing my life for eternity. I believe in you. I am asking you to enter my heart. I am asking you you to become my Lord and Savior. I am asking for that triumphal entry, Father, into my heart. I believe in your Son. If you said that prayer today, just throw your hand up in the air real quick for me so I can pray for you. It's important that you have prayer. It's so important for prayer. Believers, with your eyes closed and bowed heads, Heavenly Father, my prayer today for believers is that we are strengthened by this story, Lord. All your stories should strengthen and inspire us. Lord, help us enjoy and celebrate this Palm Sunday by remembering all the mighty works that you have done for us to bring us to this place today. Securing our lives and provision in protection, in salvation, in sanctification, and in love. Father, you give us everything. Help us remember that. Just like when we come to the Lord's table and we are in communion with you and we realize in, in memory, Father, all the great works. Father, Palm Sunday is just like that. Let us shout the praises, Father. Let us remember the things that you have done. Because it is a great day to celebrate, Lord. It is a wonderful day. And Father, the believers here proclaim you as our king. You are our Lord and Savior. We thank you for entering our hearts. Father, let us live lives that are worthy of you, that are worthy of your word, that are worthy of the call that you've placed on all of us. That's my prayer, Father. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Heavenly Father, I just ask for guidance for each and every heart here. Lord, I ask for strength and boldness as we leave this building today, as we leave this place, Father, that we remember who you are and what you've done and celebrate, Father, what's happening this week, to think about you constantly and celebrate what's happening this week because you are a great God. You are a great God and we love you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.